Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know, my first time on TV was a 6 p.m. sports center. Not a normal thing, and I was 31 years old. That's the voice of Cynthia Freeland, the predictive analytics expert for the NFL Network. She's not only one of the most brilliant women I know in sports, but she's particularly inspiring because she carved out her own path in the world of sports broadcast, and I'm proud to call her my friend. In this episode, we talk about her career path, what dating is like for women in this industry, and her recent journey with freezing her eggs. But first, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. And for all those fans who watch Cynthia on Sundays, this one's for you. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. It was very official i know this feels so official even though i feel like normally when we're hanging out we're like no makeup sweatpants well i'm kind of in that mode right now but okay (laughs) well i wish we were in the same room doing this over drinks but next time next next time time. so like tomorrow see you tomorrow exactly got it (laughs) so the reason i wanted to have you on this podcast is because like you know me you know that this is really a a podcast that's supposed to be like aspirational and tell career stories and how people got into this industry because i think a lot of people think that it just like happens overnight and it doesn't um (laughs) and you have one of the most interesting trajectories in this industry getting to know you you don't follow my path. I don't even know what my path is. Um, you know, I was not even, it wasn't, broadcasting was not something I was on my horizon. I studied biology in college. I thought I was going to med school. In fact, I did spend a little time in medical school and it didn't, I, I didn't like it. I cried. It was awful. Like <laughs> it was, it was not my, it was not my jam. So I went into banking. Um, and then from banking, I cold emailed the CFO of the NFL at the time. So his name is Anthony Noto and he had come from Goldman Sachs. And at the time I, in my banking career, I read the research reports that his group at Goldman put out. So then when he went to the NFL, I was like, well, he's really smart. And maybe I was just like asking for a summer internship because at this time, time it was like the not the pandemic but the the you know when the the last recession 08 so like things were crazy so I emailed him he gave me a job I mean I interviewed but he gave me a job and then I worked for the league office and that's kind of how I kind of this whole thing started and I worked with the competition committee I figured out that I could write financial models at the time which is the kind of the beginning of the modeling I do now on performance metrics then I went and I, in addition to my MBA, I added a, a master's of predictive analytics so that I could write code, taught myself how to do all this like really nerdy code stuff, wrote a lot, a lot of alternative investments, took a stint at Disney where I was actually working um, in a really scary part of the finance world and uh, making huge acquisitions like Lucasfilms. Like how do you value Star Wars into the future literally like the most futuristic thing like but now and that was a huge check i'll never see a bigger one than that um by anyone and then i went to espn owned by disney and worked in like a tech and big data capacity and then paul de podesta got hired by the browns and then they needed someone to talk about it on tv so boom that's what my you know my first time on tv was a 6 p.m sports center not a normal thing and i was 31 years old so again 
all things don't follow any of it i don't know if you can like like it, it's not a good i think the thing to take away is like keep doing things that sound fun and good and keep trying not don't model after like whatever the heck i've done all right, cool. That's all. That's this whole podcast. Thank you for coming on. Just kidding. Ninety-five percent of the things you say go over my head because you're just so smart, and I just like through osmosis hope that some of that rubs off on me. But okay, so let's back up. You were in Boston College for undergrad, then you went to grad school in Chicago, Northwestern. Yep, Northwestern. And that's when you reached out to the NFL. Did you like football? Did you know the sport of football, or were you just like this seems like a smart guy and I want to work for him? Well, kind of both, but I grew up in East Lansing, Michigan. So obviously college town, Michigan State is there. Grew up like going, you know, either on Saturday, you either went to Ann Arbor or you went to East Lansing to tailgate and watch games. And then, you know, on Sundays you'd watch the Lions, which were a, ho a horrible, helpless, hapless team, but Barry Sanders was good. So there was fun to watch Barry Sanders and uh, watch with my dad. So I always liked football. I always had like a big awareness of like, like understanding of the game that I think maybe some people now I've realized don't have that. Um, but when you grow up, like, you know, Friday, you go to like high school football games and sat, you know, when you're growing up there, it's just what you do. There's not, there's like nothing else to do. So we just, you know, drank a bunch of beers underage and went to Michigan state games. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then I went to BC cause it was kind of this compromise between like, it was in a quote unquote big city. It felt so big. I know you went to BU. So you guys are like, you're not even in the city, but whatever. It felt you're big on the road. It's the same thing. Exactly. But, it, you know, it felt like a big city and, but it still had sports, right? It still had things that seemed familiar to me growing up where I did. Um, okay. So if you weren't doing analytics for NFL network, what would you be doing? <sighs> I think something's still in data science, just because I, I created like a whole, I was always like a banker. I was like minded, you know, I liked to do like analytically minded, right? Like, so when I was banking, I did private equity, which basically you're valuing things that are weird. Like at the time, you know, I'm really old. So like Facebook was weird. Oh my God, you are, I'm going to stop you right there. You are not really old. The internet says that I'm older than I am, which is like a really disappointing problem. Like when you Google <laughs> me, when you Google me, instead of saying that I'm like, most people lie that they're younger. Mine lies that I'm older. I'm like, what the, I'm like, this is the worst problem that you can have. So how old does it say? And who do we need to pay to change this? I, I don't know who you fix, get to fix it, but <laughs> it says that I'm two, two or three years older than I am. I'm born in 82. I think it says 79 on the internet. I don't know, but like, it's really, I'm bored. I, I'm not hiding from my actual age, but what the <laughs> heck? Like, that's not fair. Like I'm, I will give you my 38, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to concede like, anything more than that that's ridiculous it's a weird place it also says that i'm worth a million dollars so you are worth a million dollars well it also says my dad is macgyver <laughs> do you remember that old tv show yes it says so that's like kind of a cool my he loves that so I, i'm not going to take that away from him so yeah all right macgyver's kid um <laughs> yeah so i also want to talk to you like one of my favorite things because we're actually friends outside of this podcast right. dear internet <laughs> world we are in life <laughs> yeah um is so you were talking a little bit about your trajectory and how you um didn't get your first hit on air until you were 31 which like in the world of broadcast you're basically expired at 31 you're like 100 years old and if you haven't made it you're never going to make it so that's a huge deal and i think uh the important thing there is just recognizing that like you, you were just open to whatever paths were coming your way. But with that path that you've taken, have you found that it's harder to date? Um, yeah, I, that's not my forte dating, clearly. Um, I, Mine either, I, apparently. 
I, I think it's a weird, it's a weird combination because like, I'm kind of an intro, you know, this, I'm kind of an introvert. Like I have severe stranger danger. Like I don't want to go on dates. Like I don't like, I do not like strangers. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's like, then there's like this weird, like these weird guys who are kind of like the ones who like love football too much. And they're like, do you think I can meet Michael Irvin? I mean, I mean, I'm, I, and you're like, no, I'm not going to, like you weirdo, like, no, like, <laughs> you know, and then there's the ones who are like, kind of like put off by it. Like, oh, like, I don't like football that much. It's not that cool. And you're like, okay, like, how about we just have like a healthy appreciation? I'm sure, you know, you get it too. So it's, it's, it's all, it's all weird and I clearly don't know what I'm doing in that department. And so like, I'm like, whoa, stranger danger, stay away. Or the ones that are like, I don't even watch TV. Uh, Okay, all right. You're like, like, yeah, no, you get lots of weird, like it's in LA is full of weirdos. Like LA, and I've lived here, like so many weird people here, like, like, yikes. Weirdest date you've ever had in LA? God, that's a great question. Well you know, what's funny is with a boyfriend, I went to the death museum. This is actually, I don't actually think it's that weird, but let's be clear. This was like one of my favorite dates, like of all time. Um, (laughs) We went to the death museum up in Hollywood. It's not like how to, like, it's like, um, you know, like uh, it has like cult, like artifacts and stuff. Like it's not, um, it was not gory. It's more like, it's like a dateline. And you know, I love dateline. So like, you know, it's kind of like, it's like solved things. Like here's how the, the cult people did this. And here's the, it was actually really cool. But then after that, we went to Cafe Gratitude, which is like so LA. They like yes. serve your food. Like you are transformed. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> like you're like, just give yeah. me my vegetables. You're right. So that was a pretty, that was a pretty weird date, but Hey, I actually really liked that one. That was a good one. I feel like, you know, a thing that bonds a lot of girls in this industry is that we've all been through a lot of the same things, whether it's career-wise, like there's ups and there's downs. Like I always say that you're not really in this industry if you haven't been employed, unemployed at least once. Like raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by being unemployed. Um, (laughs) But I think that we all have in common is, um, you know, this dedication to a craft that kind of takes a toll on our personal lives. And we end up settling down later in life because um, it takes a special, I think, kind of person to be able to settle down with somebody who's involved in the sports media world. Do you feel like you're too smart sometimes? Like guys are turned away from you because you're too smart? No, I feel like people in general, like the thing that this industry has forced me to do starting later, starting, you know, look like this, I had a whole other career. Like I was a, like a banker, like I identified as that, like my business school girlfriends are all very different from our industry friends, similar, like we have similar problems, but just different may manifest different ways. But what this industry has really forced me to do is like, look in the mirror. Like you get the, you get that, like, um, you know, maybe you get it from being unemployed or maybe you get it from, Twitter comments, or maybe you get whatever, but you get that moment where you're like, get the F over yourself. And many people that don't have a career that's in any way, like I can watch myself back on a screen and cringe. Like it's, it can be (laughs) awful. Like, especially in the pandemic with the, with the delay and you're like sitting there and you're like, yeah, let's pretend I didn't know what you're going to ask me because you know, we're trying to fake this conversation. Forced fun is like the worst thing on the planet. So, you know, but you have to watch yourself back and other people are allowed to watch it and have their own of it. Like, and that's the best get over yourself moment. And I find that a lot of people, they haven't gotten over themselves. So the thing I think more than like, it's not about smart. It's not about anything like that. It's like your willingness to like take a look in the mirror and be like, Oh yeah. Like I got some stuff to handle. Like 
I'm gonna go to therapy or do whatever I need to do to get over it. And some people just don't, they never have any reason to do that. So they kind of don't. And then they end up being kind of weird. And then you're like, oh, I can't handle, like, I can't handle you being like, like this. Like, I, I need you to be a, like a more stable individual. Like, go get your shit together. Ooh, yeah. Get your stuff together and then come back. Okay, to you me. can swear on this podcast. No, oh, okay. I mean, I think that's Sorry. like, that's also a dating in LA thing. I think a lot of people just really. It's dating that. period, full stop anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Correct. just get your stuff. But you, but it's like, it's weird when like, I can, like, they can, like, it's cringe. You can, you can watch yourself and be like, Ooh, or, you, you know, like. It can go either way, but nobody, they don't, you know, if you date a banker, they don't like film themselves giving a presentation. Maybe they should, but they don't film themselves giving a presentation and be like, yeah, I, that sucked. Like that, no, no one's listening. See, I would think that guys would be so intimidated by you because you're a beautiful, successful, one of the smartest people I know, if not the smartest person that I know. You know I mean? can't imagine that a guy would be like, I mean, I feel like the problem that I have a lot in dating is like, somebody's like, oh yeah, this girl's great. And then they're like, oh shoot, I can't live up to all the things that I promise. And I feel like, do guys come on super hot with you because they are super turned on by like the Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network and then they can't live up to it or what? I don't know. I think I like, I don't know. I, I, I've never noticed that. I think it's more like, I feel like I'm, I'm actually kind of like, you know, you know, I like, I don't like talking to people. Like I'm, uh, you're very outgoing. You like do a good job of like, like I need to do, be more like you, like give it a try. See what happens. I'm kind of more like uh dateline and uh <laughs> red wine by myself. Like I'm, I'm like, okay with like, you know, my own, I don't know. I don't like strangers. You're so much better with strangers than me. Like I, I need to take a page from your book because clearly I'm just like, like, I, you know, I think people, I think for the most part, guys, at least when they're talking to me, they like, sometimes I think that like, you know, the, they like my resume a lot. It's like, oh, this is the girl we bring home to mom. Cause like, she's got all these degrees and she like has a healthy relationship with her parents. And you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's like, okay, but I'm kind of like, yeah. Midwestern check. Get old Midwestern. Like she likes to cook because I do, you know, like <laughs> I am domesticated. Like I am. So, you know, it is what it is. So I, I don't know. I, there's a lot wrong with me. That's what we've learned. Oh my gosh. Stop. There is not. You're perfect. But I'm wondering like, cause I, you know, I, we have a lot of mutual friends that are like also older in this industry who haven't settled down or settled down later. So what is it that you think is the cause of that? I mean, I would have to think it's guys just not being able to handle themselves sometimes. I also think it's like, this is a really demanding, like, I can't, you know, like, think about it. Like Thanksgiving, I work. Christmas, often I work. New Year's, often I work. Like my, luckily I love Thanksgiving and I feel like it's like, I feel like it's such an honor to work on Thanksgiving, to be invited into someone's home. Mm -hmm. I'm from Michigan. Obviously we play, the Lions always play on Thanksgiving. So it was always a special thing. So, you know, I, I view it as a really like a really wonderful thing, but it can be very difficult when it comes to like, you know, families and obligations and, you know, you do miss some moments and you're, you know, starting July, I work six, seven days a week, July, like end of July until, you know, the Super Bowl. So it can be very, it can be very daunting and I'm pretty, like, I'm very dedicated to it. So it can be very hard. I mean, you know, like we have a hard time finding time because we're both so crazy with trying to figure out how to make ends, like figure it all out. Right. So it's, it's just, it's, it's a demanding, it's really demanding. And it's like during the fun times, weekends and holidays, that's when we work. Except for Memorial Day, I'm stealing you and we're going to Mexico. So take that holiday off. July is my favorite holiday. Like, thank God. I know. Are you off on 4th of July this year? 
I am. Um, for the, you know, like car industry people, they always used to, my dad was a GM guy. So we always have those two weeks off for a thing, you know, right at the 4th of July. So go to a lake, do something, you know, drink a lot of beer. Like, I don't know why I keep talking about beer on this. Cause I don't even really like beer. <laughs> or like that's my second mention of beer. We're good. <laughs> Um, I remind me to tell you about this show called Dollface that I just started on HP on a Hulu the other day. It is laugh out loud funny, and it's about girls who are like going through breakups and they oh, lose Lord. all their female friendships, and so they're re-entering the re-entering the single scene, and they get picked up on this like magical bus that's being driven by a cat lady. Anyway, long story short, they have to like reassociate with the female kind, and like there's the guys girl, and they're like out in no man's land wearing football jerseys, and they're like, I like wings, I like beer. Does anyone watch a game with me? <laughs> and, like I'm like, oh my god, all of my friends are the guys girls, but in the best way. Um, but I think to a point, what'd you say? I know, I totally get it. Like sometimes I like I still watch Bravo though, so I mean, I think that like makes me still a girls girl. You are definitely a girls girl. You're one of the oh, most. I think. Yeah. To be qualified as a girl's girl, you just have to genuinely like care about your friends. And you are one of the most, like from the moment that I met you, the most caring, kindest individual and I'm keeping you forever. So exactly. uh, I'm glad you're finally coming to my podcast as it makes a reemergence into the world. But um, the thing I was going to talk to you about earlier was, I don't know if you've been public with this, but to your point about settling down later because it's a demanding industry, you're freezing your eggs. Um, and you've, we've had conversations about this and how important you think that is. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that process? Totally. So if you're in LA, you need to go to Dr. Danzer. He's the best. It, I mean, I, I will plug him anytime. Like there's no, obviously he didn't give me anything for that. But the point is, is it's all about like creating an insurance policy. So you don't like you all, I believe in life. You want to like set yourself up for like highest probability of success for anything you want to do. Right. Like if you want to work in data science, go get a data science degree and go meet everyone in data science. Like you can't just like go be like, doing something else and be plucked out of the sky, like doesn't happen like that. Even though I know I got on TV in a really weird way, but I still worked at ESPN. I was in the right, whatever. So, but the point is, is you want to do things that give you the, the best chance to be your best self. And I think some of us can get caught up, especially I have friends with four kids. Like that seems like a lot, but like four, four, four times pregnant for that's a lot. Like, I don't, I don't know if I ever want four kids, but four like that it, it's mind-blowing but you know i i want children someday I, i'm pretty sure if i find the right person and the older you get the harder it can be on your body people do not talk about the infertility rates and how prevalent it is it's not well published I mean, people people kind of it's a little taboo it's becoming more mainstream but ultimately freezing your eggs is just a insurance policy for all of us we can write it off in our taxes which is great because you know, it's expensive, but at this, at the end of the day, it's like anything to make you to put your mind at ease and to make you like the best version of yourself, like mentally knowing that like they have 24 frozen eggs somewhere in Beverly Hills, like <laughs> makes me feel like a lot like more calm about, you know, you just don't want to like, why put yourself in a weird anxious spot if you don't have to. And that's what it gives you some peace of mind, some like ability to think it through it's basically just the first stop in IVF. So you just, all you have to do is, I mean, you go to the doctor, you, there's some stuff that has to happen, but it's about two weeks of shots. And then once you get these shots, you have a, a very quick impatient like thing. And it, it's, it's, it takes a more, I, my second time I did it twice. I'm that's, I'm, I'm good. Cause you attended 10 to 12 eggs per kid that you want is the, the math on it. Um, and I was 24 now, so I'm good. But my, my second removal was the day of the draft, which 
I obviously worked like, I don't know, about 10 hours the rest of that day. So I was totally fine. Like I had the, the procedure in the morning and then I went to work for literally 10 hours. I was totally fine. So it's, it's, you know, it's easy peasy, all good. Do you think that if, if this is how the cards are drawn, that you would be a mom by yourself if necessary? I don't know. I'm not at that point yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like, like I joke about it, but like maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to make that decision yet. So I don't want to, right? Like, so I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I would not because I have like a real, like, like aversion to it. I just think that like, it'd be more, I don't know, maybe, I guess maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, ideally, what, when would you like to be a mom by? Um, in the next- I feel like you've got everything. Like you've got the career, you've got. Do we ever have the career though? Like, you don't know. Like, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm weird multiple in a different way, right? Like I do, I have like a whole other data stuff, you know, about it, like mm-hmm. whole other business that you don't, we don't talk about on air and whatever. Like, you know, it's, it's when the right, when it feels right. I don't know. I, I just don't want to have to rush anything and mm-hmm. I never have. And I've always just felt it out and it's worked out for me so far. So I just think like, you know, if you're being honest and living in your truth and doing your work and your healing and you're being like a good, like the best you can be, you'll figure it out. Like if it feels right in a few years, then it feels right in a few years. If it doesn't, then it doesn't like, there's no, there's no magic formula. And I'm not putting myself on like some sort of time frame because I found that like, you know, this stuff unfolds how it unfolds. You can't try to, like, you can't manipulate the universe. You can like, you can listen to it and you can choose to, and you can do, you choose to try to listen more or harder, but like, you can't manipulate it. Like that, that's like, that's just the law. Fact. The universe knows when you're playing games. Like you can say, oh, I'm ready for this in my life. But if you're not actually clearing those blocks and getting yourself to a place where you're mentally in the best spot for that and physically, yeah, you're, it's not going to happen. It happens exactly at the right timing, but you have zero control over that. You can pretend to manipulate it, but it always, like, it always knows better. Like, you can, like, say, like, you know, like, people go to, like, you know, you and I both, like, energy healers, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. you can go and you can listen to part of it, and it can be, like, a psychic read, or you can listen to the whole thing, and you can be, like, oh, yeah, like, most of this is about, like, mindset and making sure, like, I'm not spending my time with loser, like, loser people, energy, vampires, whatever, like, you know, like it's, it's mostly about like your greatest good and Mm -hmm. you can, you can try to manipulate it, but it, it never works. I like that you said your greatest good because you can only manifest things that are of the greatest good for everybody. So you can't manifest some guy to leave his wife for you or for a job to work out and somebody to lose their job so you can get that job. It doesn't work out like that. It, that's not how the universe works. The universe works in ways that are the best for everybody. Now we're on a whole nother subject and I could have a whole other podcast about this, but This one is called Moment of Cluth because we talk about a moment of truth in your life where you knew you were or weren't being authentic to yourself. Can you pinpoint one of those moments and what you've learned from it? Just one. Um, So, (laughs) a juicy one. um, Look, like one major one for me, uh, you know, when I'm going to actually go back to when I was younger because the decision to leave medical school was like a very, very difficult one because, you know, you say when you're little, like, oh, I want to be a doctor. And then you do all this stuff and getting into medical school is like really, really hard. So you've like, like, it's hard to do. Like you've put so much time and effort into that stupid MCAT. And then like all, like all this stuff you apply and you go interview and you tell them you want to be. And then I cried every day and I had this cadaver and, it was awful. And I had her heart in my hand on my birthday. And I was like, I cannot do this again. Like, I was like, 
I, for whatever reason, my body was rejecting it. And it was scary because, you know, I have like, you know, I, my, my friends all like knew what they, like, they knew what they wanted. They want to be mom. I want to be the doctor. Like that was what I was going to be. And so it was like a real identity problem, but I learned in that moment. And by the way, I'm still technically paying for that because they don't actually give you your money back. If you don't finish, just, just so we're clear, you still pay for that. So, you know, all the years in medical school, not all of them, just the one you're in. But even if you only go for like a month, you still pay that, that whole like 60 grand. Oh yeah. And, but it's like a zero interest loan. So why would you pay it off faster? But anyways, that's beside the point, but still, I still, I see that every month and I'm like, made the right decision, but whatever. (laughs) Um, So, and they don't like let you apply that to a different school, like to like your MBA also didn't, didn't, uh, it didn't uh, transfer. None of my credits transferred somehow. Were you in medical school at Northwestern? University of Chicago. Oh, and then you went to, you got your MBA at Northwestern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Let me try to get that. So, okay, so you know, from the South to the North, just kept it all shy town. Yeah. So, but anyways, long story short, um, long story short, they don't give you your money back, but it was, that was a big decision. And at 22 and like, I didn't want, I, that was my first, you know, loan I'd ever had to take and a whole thing. But I, I keep thinking back to that because it was always following my heart and my intuition that where I found the greatest good for all of it. And I've kept that in mind as I've gone through, because that was, re- it was just really hard when you're 22, like, you know, to, to be that honest with yourself was, it was hard. You know, a lot of people, especially after you go through all that to get in and then, yeah, you know, nope, this sucks. But was yeah. There- that- sorry to interrupt you. I was going to ask, was there a, a part in your body at all that like felt that that was the right decision for you? Like a gut feeling, Nick, they say. When I, when I had that heart in my hand and I was looking and I was like, I hate everything about this. Like, I mean, look, playing with dead bodies, like probably not like something that most people like, but like, mm-hmm. I think you go through it to be like, Oh, I'm like really interested in this. I was like, this is all wrong. Like it's all wrong. When I made that decision, I walked home from class that day and Hyde Park's like a little scary. Right. So Mm -hmm. walked like, and I got like some food and I sat with myself and I just sat down and remember exactly where it was. I don't know the address, but I could go find it if I was in Hyde Park. But like, you know, I sat down, I'm like, yeah, this isn't for me. And I made that decision and everything, I felt like I lost 20 pounds and like, and, and then I drove home for Thanksgiving it was, it was very, you know, the Tuesday or whatever before Thanksgiving. And I just had this lightness and everything felt like easy. Everything felt like, you know, they tell you like, I knew, I know that I'm very good at trying hard, but like, it felt like for the first time I was trying easy, if that makes sense. So like just flowed, it was very easy, much easier. How the universe works when you're in alignment with what's right for you. You just all of a sudden you're like that mistake. I had to make that mistake because otherwise I wouldn't have learned that it's always in listening to myself. Like I've had to make some weird decisions. Like there's some been some stuff that's happened. Like there's been some stuff, right? So, and it's always in like, how do I make it? How do you make a decision? You just have to listen. And that was a pretty, like, I feel like I get like some big old smacks. Like some people get like little, like little nudges. No, 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 not me. I get like full smack across the face. Like, here you go this way, bitch. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> Same. This yeah. is why we are kindred spirits. I'm like, why is this shit never easy? It's always like until I'm like bottoming out and like yep. hitting my knees and praying that I'm like finally like, oh, okay, that was actually that easy. Um, so wait, I was gonna ask you a question. Okay, so from that point, you decided, okay, I no longer wanna be a doctor. Then you had to study for, to get into business school. Was that daunting at all? Or was that like an easy process for you to just? Well, first I had to get a job because I actually didn't wanna like, 
like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't have another choice. Like I didn't have any other source of income. Like, I'm sorry. I got a job, which was good. Um, I worked for a bank. I didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And getting a job in private equity in that year was 2005 and right mm-hmm. before 2006, um, was a really good time for private equity. Like I, I know you're too young to remember, but like, you know, things got bad around 08, right? Like 07. So the good news is, is I started this banging job. It was, I liked it a lot. My boss had a lot of faith in me. It was a really good boss experience. You know, the difference when you have that good boss versus the bad one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like believed in me. And my boss was kind of like, you really should go back to business school because the, this whole market's going to be changing soon. And also like, you need some polish here. Cause you've like, you know, what business school is good for is like either career switching like me. Like I didn't know what the heck was going I had never taken a business class in my life. I was just very good at math. Right. And then, you know, or, and meeting people and networking. And if you can get into a top school, like you meet some, like my friends are all crushing it. Like I am the least successful by far of all of it. And I am great with that. I want to be the, I would lo- like, thank you. I'm like mooching off them. It's great. Like they just tell me like everything to do. Like my, one of my best friends is a CFO of a, of an electric car company. Like okay, she's going to have like a billion dollar exit and I'll be like, go be her kid's nanny. Like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, which, but it's great. Like you meet some like just incredible people. So he helped me understand the value. Luckily, because I had done so much studying for that damn MCAT, I was very good at the logic that goes into standardized test taking. I'm just a lucky test taker. So it wasn't super daunting com- compared to the, getting into medical school. Like that stuff was cake co- comparatively. Yeah. I can't imagine having that in front of you and being like, okay, well, I'm going to owe $60,000 regardless. And I have to restudy for these tests. I don't know if I would have had the stomach to do it. So good on you. Oh, and then, you know, business school is not cheap either. No. Like, yeah. You're like, what is that? Keep adding it to the tab. Like, Nathan. just keep going. You know, we're good. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that <laughs> you really, it really took some balls for you to do that. And I guess, but your business school friends must just be like, holy shit, Cynthia's on NFL network now. My friends, my business school friends, they're like almost nothing would surprise us. Like they've seen me go through, they've, they've seen me go through some, like, look, like I have like, I'll tell, I mean, you haven't met my business school friends yet because of the pandemic, but you'll meet them and you'll be like, oh, I get it. Like, they're just, they're very like, just great girls. Like they're a really strong group. Of, they like, they've seen me through some really hard stuff and I've seen them through some hard, like we've gone through it like all together. And at the end of the day, they're like, we're equally like, like you could call us and tell us you were like quitting to like move to Mars. They're like, we'd believe it. <laughs> Cause that, like, I've just been like, I'm going to do something right. Okay. And like, I'll text them. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be on sports center tomorrow. They're like, what's they're like, what? And then they'll watch it. Like, like it, they're kind of like, okay, they half expect me to be like, oh, I'm getting married tomorrow. Um, if you can make it fine. Like, you know, they, like that's who I am in the friend group, I guess. Like a little unexpected, a little bit of a wild card. They're like, Hey, there's Cynthia at 7am in a cocktail dress. Go girl. Oh God. <laughs> They've all come to the show. Cocktail dress. Oh my, these cocktail dresses in the morning. I tell you, somebody needs to outlaw that, but like, you know, we don't get to, but, uh, but at the end of the day, no, they've all come to the show and they like, they like, you know, varying degrees of liking football, but they're all just like, you know, hilarious. They're all just like, what, like, this is your life. I'm like, yeah. Okay. I love it. I can't wait to meet them. I know you got to get going soon. So let me just quickly wrap this up. There's, I like to play a, a game called two truths and a lie at the end of every okay. podcast. So you have to tell me two truths and one lie. This is going to be difficult because I feel like I know you pretty well and I have to guess which the lie is. Okay, hold on. Let me. I'm gonna cover my face because you'll. 
You'll tell which this one. This is a first for me. No one's ever hid from me when they were about <laughs> well, to lie. You'll be, able to, you'll be able to read me. You can You're see. Right. You can You're read right. me. Okay, so. Okay, hold on. I got to think of a good, I got to think of a good truth here. Um, okay. I was in a music video in London. I have run 23 marathons. I had a pet chinchilla. I did that while looking at you too. Those are really good ones. Okay, well, I know the marathon one is true. Okay, yes, that's true. Um, I'm gonna go with the pet chinchilla was a lie. Ah, good job. Woohoo! Why did it not surprise me that you were in a music video? I'm so, I was in like some random, I like grew up in Europe and like I was in some random video. I don't, I have no idea. It was actually pretty funny to see it, but uh, no, I always send that to me. I, oh, I definitely will. I always wanted a pet chinchilla, but I'm glad my mom never got me one because they're kind of like very, just very soft rats. Yeah. I honestly was going to judge a little bit if I knew that you had a pet chinchilla. I was about to be like, oh, Cynthia was that girl in Michigan. Nope. I wanted one. My mom was like, no, we're going to stick with dogs and cats. I'm glad she did that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I know you got to run. So thanks for coming on. I'm going to text you so we can figure out when we can hang out this week. See you this week. Of course. Pinky promise. Pinky promise. Okay. Love you. Bye. Grabbing me. Thank you for listening to the Moment of Cluth podcast, now available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Meng Cluth. If you enjoyed this episode, please download it and share with others. Subscribe to be notified when new episodes air, visit MeganCluth.com to get in touch, head over to my YouTube page to watch my latest interviews, and stay tuned for more great conversations. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.